Amen. Well, good morning. Happy New Year to one and all. We're so glad you're here. You are such overachievers here. First day of the year, you're here. And uh, we're so glad you're here, whether you're in person or online. Welcome, welcome, welcome to 2023. Welcome to Channel Community Church. Uh, my name is Alex. If you are new here, we're super delighted that you're joining us. Maybe you joined us for Christmas Eve in person or online, and now you're here with us. Welcome. What we're all about here is connecting, connecting people to God, to each other, so together we can engage our world for good. We hope you experience a little bit of all those things here this morning, either in person or online. Before we jump into what we're talking about today, I wanted to celebrate Christmas Eve and say thank you to all the fantastic staff and volunteers who worked to make it a fantastic night. Can we give them a big thank you, round of applause for all the work they did? Thank you so much. Yeah, we had a, a record 537 people between two services. Uh, first service was like wall-to-wall packed. We like, we parked cars where there were not spaces to park them. Like, I think, like, up trees and all that. place. It was crazy in here for a service. Uh, it was a beautiful, beautiful service, uh, and it was so well done. My volunteers from the, the way in to the music, everything about it was just spectacular. And, and the Lord moved. At the, at the end of my message, I invited people to respond to the invitation to joy. And there was a little card that they could, like, have a little checkbox. They could sort of respond in any way they wanted to. And one of those responses was, uh, to make a first-time decision for Christ or to recommit their lives to Christ. And I said, hey, if you want to, on the way out, you can drop it out on the way, off, on the way out on the, in, the, in the bins and the baskets, and we'll pray over those things. And I had over 30 people drop off no cards uh, on the way out, and uh, six people said they, they were making a first-time decision for Christ or rededicating lives to Christ, which is such great news. So bless the Lord for that, absolutely. Such great news, such great news. So none of that's possible without a huge team of people who work so hard. So thank you, thank you, thank you, one and all. So today we're doing a, a PS to our Unspeakable Joy series, kind of wrapping things up. And as we're talking about today and what we want to talk about, we said, well, uh, for those of you who like loud parties, you probably had enough of that last night, and you're probably not here uh, last night. Uh, those of you who are here in person, uh, you probably went to bed at 10.05 along with Ernie at the same time. So you had, like, this is sort of the early to bed, early to rise crowd particularly. So we wanted to talk a, a little bit about what do you do when you come into 2023 with, uh, with deferred joys, deferred hopes, deferred dreams? What do you do when you've been carrying a prayer into a, a, a new year that you've been carrying with you for days, weeks, months? maybe years, maybe decades, maybe the calendar turned again and you're still carrying the same prayer, the same longing into a new year. How do you carry a joy deferred without it souring on you, right? Because what happens, what's natural when, uh, when, when there's a, a thing that you've wanted, a good thing, like a great thing, you're like, why isn't God doing this? Why isn't God moving? When you start to carry that around, there's some natural noises that start to bubble up in our hearts, in our souls, frustration, anger, even resentment, even self-righteousness, even sort of a victim mentality, right? And all that's really natural, but the problem is if you let it take root in your hearts and your spirits, if you let bitterness and resentment start to take root in your hearts and your spirits, you could become that thing. You could become one with your disappointment, with your pain, right? Many of us know people, and, and maybe some of you are in that place, where you had disappointment, pain, heartache, and then so much sympathy, real, real difficult things. And what happened over time is you became so wrapped up in that, that's, def that's been the defining thing in your life. And that's not who you wanted to be. That's where you are. How do we carry unanswered joys deferred? How do we do that in a way? How do we do that in a way that we're honest for what we're asking for, that we actually are giving God uh, the request, we're, we're making our requests known, we're, we're, we're still longing and asking and seeking and knocking, but we're doing that in such a way that our lives are not defined by the disappointments and the heartbreak, but our lives are defined by the goodness of God and what God has done in Jesus 
even while we carry some of the longings that are unanswered along the way. That's what we're going to look at today as we look at Luke chapter 1. One more touch on the, uh, the Christmas story. We're going to be at the very beginning of Luke uh, in the preamble to Jesus' birth in Luke 1, starting in verse 5. We're talking here today about how do we steward and carry unanswered, unspoken, un- un- unresponded to uh, joys deferred. Luke 1, starting in verse 5, it says this. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. You know, in in every era, in every geography, in every time, there are a series of words that you cannot conceive of going together in a particular way, right? So here are a series of words adjectives, descriptions, if you will, that I cannot conceive of ever saying in my life, okay? That is happy, gracious, not smug Duke fans, right? Those, those words just don't go together. They don't add up. There's no way that those things are all co- can coexist in the same sentence at the same time, right? You maybe have your own set of adjectives, descriptions, words that you cannot ever imagine saying or reading or describing anything anywhere at any time. In Luke chapter 1, in his initial audience, there's a, a series of words that his audience cannot imagine or should not go together. And those four words that describe Zechariah and Elizabeth are righteous, blameless, childless, and old. It's not how it's supposed to work. The Old Testament says children are a gift from God. So if you're righteous and blameless, you should be childful, not childless. And if you're old, you should be grandkidful, not childless. Especially if you're righteous and blameless and you are a priest for crying out loud. Like Zechariah is like descendant of Aaron. He's a good guy doing religious work. His wife Elizabeth, also a descendant of Aaron. I mean, these are religious royalty kind of people doing good, faithful work in a time when not everyone's doing good, faithful work in the temple. Jesus has all kinds of interactions with the religious leaders. Spoiler alert, they're not, ple- they're not pretty. They're not pleasant. He, is, he, he runs, he saves his harshest critiques and harshest words for the religious leaders of his time. But Luke's first description of a religious guy is righteous, blameless, exactly what you'd want from a religious worker, and yet still childless. And because they married so young back in those days, that's, that's a joy deferred for decades and decades and decades, praying and praying and praying and pray, praying, God, would you give us this gift? And God saying no. I don't think this is how it's supposed to work. I don't think this is how it's supposed to work, right? Like, if you're righteous and blameless, you come through on your part of the deal. And righteous and blameless, when they describe that in the, in the scriptures of a, of a human being, it's not that they're perfect. It means that they are walking in the scriptural way, right? They're making sacrifices when they sin. They're reconciling. They are doing the best to walk in God's scripture and God's way. They're not perfect, but they are faithful people, good people, doing the best before the Lord. And God still doesn't give them what they Long for, a good thing. I don't think this is how it's supposed to work. I have this thing in my gut that says, that's not fair. I have conversations with some of you. We are in really hard places. And I know you're doing everything you can before the Lord to act with integrity and honesty and love people. And I say sometimes, man, that's not fair. And when that bubbles up inside of me, what it shows me is I've slipped into a way of thinking about God and relationship with God that's not particularly healthy, holy, or biblical. And that is contract thinking versus covenant thinking. 
I think about God in a contract sort of a way when God invites us to be in a covenant relationship with him. Now, contracts make the world go round, right? Especially in the world of goods and services. You hire a plumber, you agree to pay them a certain amount of money, they agree to do the deal, and everyone, everyone lives happily ever after. It's a good thing. Contracts work great with strangers in the worlds of goods and services, but when it comes to a relationship with God, you don't want a contract with God. You don't want a contract with God. So what God does is he says, listen, I'm going to offer you instead promises, covenant. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to send my son to put on flesh, lay his life down for you and your sins. And I'm going to make a promise with you that if you put your faith in him, I'm going to bring you into my family. You're going to be in my family. And families don't run on contracts, right? Families run on covenants. They're started with a, a covenant promise in marriage, and then they run on love and promises and trust, right? That's how healthy family relationships work. And an unhealthy family dynamic has to have a lot of covenant, has to have a lot of contracts in place. And you might have like a light contract in place, right? Like maybe you have a family gift exchange, so you don't have to buy presents for all 30 people in your family, right? That's a light contract. But the more of those you have to have in a family, the more dysfunctional the family is. And ultimately, of course, divorce ends in a contract, right? Where you have to kind of sometimes, to excruciating detail, map out who gets what. There's no more trust, no more love. It's all just acrimony and conflict. Families run on promises. Contracts work great in the marketplace, but not with God. So God comes to you and he says, listen, here's the deal. Here's what I want to invite you into. I want to pour out my love into your life. I want to adopt you into my family. You are going to be called a child of the Most High God. And I want to invite you into that family. We're going to grow up together where you learn to love, live under my grace and mercy and forgiveness, learn to love each other, and then be my instrument of grace into the world. I want to invite you into a covenant relationship with me. No contracts, just a whole lot of promises. Sometimes people find out I'm a religious guy. I sometimes avoid that as much as possible. But then they find out that I'm a religious guy. And they'll say to me something like, oh, I've got, me and God have an, an agreement or a bargain. And sometimes I'm like, I don't know what God you're talking about, but the God of the Bible doesn't make bargains. He makes promises and he keeps them. The God of the scriptures doesn't make bargains, doesn't make agreements. He makes promises and keeps them at great cost to himself. So as we, as we come into the family of God, we have to shift. We have to shift our thinking because contract thinking is everywhere. We have to shift from contract thinking to covenant relating. From contract thinking to covenant relating. Not, God, you do this, I do that, and then we all live happily ever after. Not, God, if you don't do this, I'm going to fire you. Because good news, God doesn't fire you every time you fail him. That's good news, isn't it? God doesn't fire you every time you fail him. It's not a contract. It's a covenant. He says, I want to adopt you into my family. And yeah, we're going to have conflict. Yeah, you're going to be frustrated with me. Yeah, you're going to be disappointed with me. And we're going to work that out rawly and honestly in real time as best you can. But you are always going to be my child in Christ Jesus. And I'm always going to be your father. And we're going to work this out and walk this out day by day, week in and week out. So we, put a, so we, so we make our request known to God. And we say, God, I'm going to submit my request to you in the fullest term of the word, fullest sense of the word submission. Like I'm not asking you for something and saying, if you don't come through, I'm firing you. I'm submitting myself to my God and saying, you're good, even if you don't give me this. And I trust you and I love you, even if you don't give me this. And I want to walk in your way all my day. Listen, how do Zachariah and Elizabeth stay righteous and blameless, not resentful, not bitter, not angry at God? For decades and decades and decades of praying the same prayer over and over and over again, they have lived with God as covenant children, not as contractors. And so we pray, listen, God, I'm a child of God whether I get what I want or not. 
I'm a child of God, whether God comes through in this way or not. I'm going to live as a child of God no matter what happens, and I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to walk it out and work out my frustrations and disappointments as best I possibly can. My friends, the invitation is to walk out, live this out, not to have your life be defined by what God doesn't do or by your disappointments, frustrations, or heartaches. Those are difficult things, but the invitation is to have your life defined by who God is and what God has done for you. The invitation is to have your life defined not by the lowest moments, the worst moments, the most disappointing moments, but have your life defined by the grace and mercy and beauty of God. Good news, my friends, even if there are bitter disappointments along the way, and I know some of you have shared in some bitter, hard, dark disappointments, the good news is God is still good, God is still love, and the tomb is still empty. Jesus has laid his life down for you. Grace and mercy still have the last word over your life, and you are adopted to be a child of God. And when you can handle your disappointments, heartaches, and frustrations in the context of a larger reality that you are a child of God, that's how you live your life without resentment, self-righteousness, heartache, frustration, victim mentality setting in. You're invited to live as a child of God, to work that out and live that out day in and day out. Zachariah and Elizabeth, still righteous, still blameless, even though they are childless and old. But the Messiah is coming. And the very first ripples of that, the very first promises, the very first trickles of that are about to hit Zachariah and Elizabeth's story. Here's how the story plays out, verse 8. Once when Zachariah, Zachariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go to the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. When the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you. Many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He'll bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord, their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to the children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah responded blank. This is crazy great news, right? This is crazy great news. You've given up on this. You've given up on this. This is your prayer. Thousands and thousands of times you have prayed. The angel says, your, your prayer has been heard. But it's not just one prayer. It's like thousands of times over decades they've prayed the same prayer. And they've given up on God coming through for it. And then suddenly you're in the temple and an angel appears to you or something appears to you. And the being knows your name, knows your prayer, knows your wife's name and gives you this crazy, crazy promise. The thing that you've longed for and asked for for decades is finally coming true. What would you, what would you say? How would you respond? Now in one sense what I love about this is Zachariah whiffs. He totally blows it. We're going to see that in a second. But that's part of what I love about the scriptures. It's real people, right? Real people wrestling with real challenges. They respond in earthy, beautiful ways. And I love that Zechariah blows it because it gives me hope and confidence that someone righteous and blameless can still struggle in this way. Here's how Zechariah responds. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man. My wife is well along in years. See, it turns out you can be righteous, blameless, childless, old, and faith. Still a work in progress. Isn't that good news? Faith, always work in progress. Even if you're righteous, even if you're blameless, faith, still a work in progress. Hard to believe. Hard to believe when joy comes your way, isn't it? Hard to believe when God moves. How can I be sure of this? I'm old, my wife's old, 
This can't be biologically possible anymore. <laughs> Here's how the angel charmingly responds. Angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. When the time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. And these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. See, my friends, there's joy and then there's unspeakable joy. And sometimes unspeakable joy is just unspeakable because it's so great you can't find words to put around it. And sometimes your joy is unspeakable because an angel of the Lord has struck you mute and dumb until something happens because of your disobedience, right? For about nine months, for nine months, Zachariah's put in time out. It's on the bench. Can't say a thing because he wasn't able to get his mind around, believe that God was going to do this thing that he thought was impossible. But meanwhile, Elizabeth, Elizabeth also goes into seclusion. She chooses silence because she's incubating an unspeakable joy and a miracle baby. And Zachariah also is incubating an unspeakable joy, literally unspeakable joy. Because, my friends, sometimes silence and seclusion is the only appropriate space for the work of the Lord. Sometimes silence and seclusion are the only incubators, the only right spaces for the work that God is doing in us and through us. Elizabeth chooses it. Zechariah is sort of put in the timeout corner. In both unspeakable joy, growing, building. Silence and, seclu silence and seclusion are these beautiful incubators. My friends, it's so hard in our world to get quiet, isn't it? So hard to turn off the noise, clutter. We are so crowded by noise. It's so crowded by words. and so crowded by phones and everything else. Even as we're more and more isolated through technology, we're more and more crowded uh, with noise. This is part of the, 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 the tension of our age. And so, my friends, if you don't have any practice where you unplug, unhook, and find some space to be quiet, secluded, you the Lord, some scripture, maybe a journal, maybe a song, maybe a prayer. That If you don't have any space in your life where you are choosing silence and seclusion in some way, shape, or form, happy new year. It's 2023, first day of new year. Great time for you to start to find space, dedicated, carved out space, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 45, an hour, where you are quiet, unplugged, unhooked from all the noise around you to be with the Lord because sometimes silence and seclusion is the only incubator, the only right incubator for the work that the Lord is doing in us and wants to do eventually through us. See, here's the thing. When the Lord meets us, when joy is bubbling up in us, it's never just for us, right? The, the work that God's doing through Zachariah and Elizabeth, it's gonna go to all kinds of people, right? The angel said, listen, many will rejoice because of his birth. There's many, there's other people, right? There's also bring back many of the people to the Lord, their God. There's this, anytime God's at work in us, it's always gonna spill over into the world. Anytime the Spirit's at work in us, it's gonna be generative, creative. It's gonna bless people around us. And this is exactly what is gonna happen. Zechariah and Elizabeth, they're in seclusion and silence for just a few months. But eventually that joy is gonna spill out and bless all kinds of people because we're never meant to be a cul-de-sac of blessing. We're always to be a conduit of blessing. 
We're never meant to hoard God's gifts to ourselves, God's presence, experience with the Lord to ourselves. It is always meant to bless and serve other people, God's purposes in the world. And that's exactly what happens as the time comes for the baby John to be born. Here's how the story finishes. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbor's relatives heard the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy because joy is always meant to be shared. And joy is almost always talked about in the context of community in the New Testament. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. They were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he's to be called John. They said to her, there's no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet. And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately, his mouth was opened, his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors filled with awe. Throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he prophesied. When, uh, when our kids were really little, we had a timeout step, right? If they acted up, we put them in the timeout step. Uh, some of them spent more time in timeout step than others. Mm-hmm. We'll talk later about that. And we put them in the timeout step, and we set a timer, right? When they were really little, it's like one minute. Maybe they get a little older, two minutes. When they get to be 16, it's like an hour to stay there forever. And when the timer would go off, we would circle back to them on the timeout step. Now, the timer was done. The timer beeped. It was over. But in order for them to be sprung from timeout, they often had something to do. They needed to apologize for slugging their sibling. They needed to clean up the mess, right? There was a, the, timer, the timer had gone off. But things weren't done until there was an act of obedience, something to be done. Zachariah had been told, you will not be able to speak until these things happen. But then they happened. The baby came. He still can't talk. The timeout timer's gone off. Because there was a step of obedience he needed to take before he could be set free from speaking time out. And that step of obedience was the last piece of the puzzle. See, sometimes God does act. Sometimes God is in motion. Sometimes the thing you're asking for, longing for, God has acted. He's put all the pieces together. There's only one puzzle piece left, and that last puzzle piece is obedience. Sometimes the piece to complete our joy is our own step of obedience. Sometimes that's how joy happens. And sometimes it's hard for us because sometimes it doesn't make sense to the people around us, right? There's no one among your relatives who have the name John. That's like how everyone named their kids, through the family names. There's no one who has that name. It's going to look weird to the neighbors. And sometimes we have a thing that we need to do, that God's given us to do. And we're like, my family's not going to understand. The neighbors are going to think I'm weird. My coworkers are going to think I'm odd. It doesn't matter, my friends. Sometimes there's a step that you need to take to complete the picture of joy that God wants to do in your life life. Zachariah's tongue is not set free until he takes that step of obedience. And once he does, joy bubbles out from him, right? He sings, these, he sings this beautiful song by the power of the Holy Spirit we looked at a couple weeks ago where he declares God is doing a new thing in fulfillment of the old promises he has made for a long, long time ago. After decades and decades and decades of praying, longing, waiting, and giving up, God moves Zachariah and Elizabeth, they incubate joy for a few months. And then Zachariah acts in obedience, and joy is unleashed through him into the world exactly the way the angel had said it would happen, exactly as God designed. And so, my friends, as we enter into a, a new year, I'm going to give you an opportunity 
to sort of have a pause and a beat, to do uh, one of two things. I want to invite you into the prayer, that's your, that, the prayer that's on your heart as you go into the new year. What are you praying for going into the new year? What are you longing for as you go into the new year? What's the thing that you would long for God to do? And maybe it's, maybe it's something that's pretty recent, like last few days, right? Something that's right here, right in front of you. Last couple of weeks, last few days, there's something that's bubbled up. But maybe, maybe, maybe there's a prayer that's been on your heart, a longing in your heart. It's been there for months, maybe for years, maybe even for decades. And you're carrying that prayer into 2023. And maybe it feels a little bit heavy. Maybe it feels a little bit difficult. Maybe it feels a little bit challenging. But today's wildly important take home is exactly this. You've been given a note card on the way in. I want you to pull that out now. And on that note card, I'm gonna give you two options. The first option is for you to write down that prayer that you're carrying into 2023. And again, it might be something that you uh, have prayed for a long, long time. It might be something that you're just now getting around to. If you didn't get a note card on the way in, uh, I, got, I got some ushers who've got some note cards and you can just like raise your hand and they'll give you those note cards to make sure you got one. So if you didn't get a note card, let them know. Uh, if you're at home, I about you get a scrap piece of paper or a note card for yourself and, uh, and get, that, get that out and uh, give you a chance to reflect on this. So option number one, Write down the prayer that's on your heart for the new year. And then we're going to invite you to incubate that-ish until the Lord answers. Listen, again, I don't know if you've got a prayer that's been on your heart for decades, but I do know God's the source of joy. And I do know he invites us to ask as his children, to ask. To ask as his son, his daughter. To ask. Open-handedly, in the context of a covenant relationship with God who fulfills his promises, here's the thing that I'm longing for going into 2023. And then I'm going to invite you to hold on to that, to put it in your pocket, put it in your wallet, put it in your purse, put it in your Bible, uh, put it on the bathroom mirror. And I'm going to invite you to sort of sit on that, to kind of incubate it. Maybe, you know, maybe share it with a couple of people. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Maybe a couple of people you can share that with. But you're going to basically sort of incubate this and to say, Lord, this is the thing I'm asking for. This is what I'm longing for. Would you, would you meet it? And then sometime later in 2023 or 2024 or 2025 or 2027, when the Lord answers that prayer, we invite you to share it, to share the joy, to let us know how the Lord has moved. Is there a prayer that you might pray coming into the new year that you want to ask the Lord for? That's option one. Now, option number two is this, because some of you, this has happened. God's moved. Option number two is if God's already acted, the only thing left is for you to obey, write down your commitment to do it, and then act. Some of you, God's already acted. God's already moved. And what's left is for you to do your part, that one last piece to complete the joy puzzle. And so I'm going to invite you today, if you've got something that you know God's calling you to do, and it, doesn't, it feels kind of weird, feels kind of awkward, the neighbors aren't going to understand, it, it, my, my spouse might think I'm a little bit odd, but there's a step you need to take. I'm going to invite you to make a commitment here, first day of 2023, to complete your joy. At least two aren't mutually exclusive. You might have a prayer on your heart and a, and a step of obedience you, need, you know you need to take. But I'm going to give you just a minute here now, quiet, first day of a new year, to do one of these two things or both. One, is there a prayer, a simple prayer that you want to bring to the Lord that's on your heart that you may have been carrying around for a long time? Maybe it's new, but maybe it's something that you've been carrying for a long time. And then two, is there a step of obedience, active obedience? You know that God is calling you to take that. You're going to say, yes, I will do this. You're going to write that down and say, yes, I will do X. And you're going to make that decision. So Pete's going to play for just one minute. I'm going to invite you now to take a minute to reflect on that. There are pencils in the seat pocket in front of you or pens. If you can grab one of those and write that down, I invite you to sort of take a minute, do some reflection.
amen, amen, and amen. So here's what we're going to do now. We're going to transition out to time of communion. We do this the first Sunday of every month, and here's what communion is. Every month we do communion. Every time we do communion, it's an invitation for you to swap out contract thinking for the covenant relationship God invites you into, right? Here's the invitation to this table, right? Here's what God has done to demonstrate his great love for you and for me to adopt us into his family. And so as we move to the communion tables here in just a little bit, you've got this card. And for some of you, you've got a prayer request on this card that feels heavy. It feels significant. It feels like a weight and a burden, like something that you need someone maybe to help with you to kind of pull at the oars a little bit. And so as we always do on the first Sunday of the month, we'll have our prayer team available to you. They'll be right through this curtain. They'll be right there at the curtain ready for you. And this morning, if you've got something on this note card that you're carrying into 2023 that you know you need someone else pulling at the oars with you, you know you need someone to kind of help you to carry it because you feel the weight of it and you feel the longing for it and you just know you need somebody to come alongside you. The prayer team is here. And so we invite you to, to as we move to the tables here just a bit, to head over to the prayer team and get prayer over, and, over this and with you as you carry this request into a new year. My friends, we just celebrated that Jesus has come, right? We celebrated the birth of the Lord. Now this morning we celebrate why he came. And why he came is for you and for me to wash away sin, to reconcile us to a good, good father. And on the night God, on the night Jesus was betrayed, he did what he's always doing. He took ordinary things and made them extraordinary. He took bread and broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup. He said, this is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Drink this in remembrance of me. His friends had no idea what he was doing but the night unfolded like a nightmare he was betrayed by one of them arrested run through kind of a mock trial crucified on a cross next to two thieves his friends scattered fearful anxious they betrayed him they abandoned him they left him on the third day much to everyone's shock and surprise and according to no plan but God's own God the Father raises him from the dead. Turns out, as bad as things were, someone had to go all the way down to bring it all the way back up. Someone had to go all the way down to depths to redeem all of it. And so Jesus goes all the way to the, to the depths of death itself, and he says, even this shall not have the last word over my children. Even this shall not have the last word over those that I love made in my image. Even this will not have the final word over all my creation. God made this and God bought it back at great cost to himself. God created you and bought you back at great cost to himself. And so we come to these, table, these tables and we celebrate what God has done in Jesus to wash away sin, to offer us, extend to us a promise, a covenant promise. You are my child. I am your good, good father. We are in the family of God together. And we celebrate that promise, that invitation as we come to this table, to this meal. We're gonna move to the stations here in just a bit. And the invitation, first off, if, uh, if you are a Christ follower, if you, de if you declare that somewhere, been baptized somewhere, then this meal is for you. If you're not yet a Christ follower, we're so glad you're here. We just ask you to let this meal pass and consider, pray, ponder what God has done for you in Jesus. To move to the stations, the bread is gluten-free, the cup is grape juice, so everyone is invited. We're going to sing a song now, and uh, we're going to invite you to move to the stations, get the elements, and then bring them back to your seats, and then we'll eat and drink together. And again, this morning, as we're moving to these stations, if you know you need someone to pray for you, come alongside you and care for you in prayer, the prayer team is right there. They would be so glad and delighted to pray for you and with you. This is a moment now, first day of a new year.
to refresh on the covenant-keeping God, the promises that God's made, to sink your roots, the, the roots of your life, into his grace and mercy and his enormous, immeasurable love. My prayer, my hope for each one of us is what we do at this meal here today would define our 2023 for the whole year long. Would you pray with me as we now move to our time of communion? Lord Jesus, thank you for being the covenant-keeping God. We declare that you are Lord and there is no other. And by your stripes, by your blood, we are healed. By your grace and mercies, we live and move and have our being. And Lord, even if we're sitting here this morning with something on these note cards that feels heavy and burdensome, there's disappointment, there's bitterness, there's resentment. Lord, we just want to release all that to you. We want to release all that to you in honesty, full disclosure, and humility, and love. And we want to receive instead these elements. The good news, great joy, all people, the invitation to this meal. Lord, if we need prayer this morning, let's not be, let's, let's not be anxious or, or, or ashamed. Let's be bold to go get prayer, to get people to pray alongside us and for us and with us. Lord Jesus, thank you for meeting us through simple, ordinary things like these elements. We ask now that you would awaken our hearts and our spirits. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen.